some of the story But it's not over yet David Hodge is an artist who takes creative inspiration for his work from his life. He spent 25 years as the Queen of Soho. Legendary drag artist Dusty O has hosted many iconic London club nights, DJed all over the world and been a star on the West End stage and screen. You name it, he did it in a huge wig and couture designer outfit. Here David talks about each decade of his extraordinary life, the highs and the lows. This is David Hodge, the boy who sat by the window. Hi, George. Thank you for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about love, life and laughter. Love, life and laughter. There's a song. Can you remember what you wanted to be when you were growing up? Well, I wanted to be an adult. That was the one thing as a kid. I remember feeling pushed around a lot when I was a kid, like being told to shut up. Mm-hmm. Having too much personality at school was never a good thing. And, you know, interesting, that's really what your song is about, you know, uh, having your spirit crushed when you're, yeah. a kid, you know, being told you're too noisy, you're too much, you know, you're this, you're that. So I, I just used to look at adults and think, I want to be one of them because they don't, <laughs> no one seems to tell them what to do. It's true. It's true. <laughs> what is your most treasured possession? My house. If I'm going to be materialistic and I've been doing it up for the last three years, I haven't lived in my house in three years. I'm about to go back to my house in June and I'm so excited about going back and you know I've I've done a lot of beautiful work on it and you must come for dinner I'd love to you, must come well, you my... bought the one next door and knocked it through didn't you I, I'm not <laughs> confirming or denying those rumors <laughs> okay okay um, what is the first thing you remember enjoying Ooh, I think Difficult my favorite one. thing is kissing oh huh? yeah I love kissing and <laughs> no, kissing is 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 a can you remember your first kiss? Yeah, I remember my first kiss. I remember actually, I better not say who it was because I don't know if this person even wants to be associated with me, but there was a boy <laughs> that I remember kissing and I remember just, oh, actually my first kiss was with a girl. My Ooh. first kiss was with Brenda Ritchie, who was my older brother's best friend. And we we met recently. She's such a lovely girl. <laughs> She's still very glamorous and she runs a pet parlour in Southeast London. And I met her a few years back when I did this documentary on the house I was, the house I grew up oh, in. Oh, yes, I remember. I that. met Brenda again and I was like, oh my God. Because I remember she snogged me at my brother's 18th birthday. And she basically, you know, took charge. I mean, I was... <laughs> How old were you? Day, I was on the bus <laughs> with my mum going to going to Heinz and Elton to get some clothes. And I saw Brenda and she went, who's my favourite kisser then? And I was... <laughs> <laughs> But my, my my kissing with a boy was was a bit later, but yeah, you know, I just remember. I actually think, um, so I hope I don't embarrass Brenda, but I remember thinking, thanks for that lesson. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was a proper French kiss. So, when so I, you never did the, you never did what I did and kissed the mirror. No, no, never did that. No. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, no, I never did that. But I, you know, it was just you know, I suppose in a way, it's like being pushed on stage, kissing someone, someone grabbing you and kissing you. It's yeah. similar to when I first went on stage in Bow, I was shoved on. Yeah, thinking, yeah. Oh, I can't. And then when I got on, I was like, I don't want to go off. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> I kissed a girl and I liked it. <laughs> Which book, film or piece of music has changed your life? 
The book that's changed my life would be The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And that is really about thinking less. I don't mean as in, you know, being empty-headed or something, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know, sort of fixating on negative things, you know, which is, I mean, Gemini's live in their heads anyway. So we're always, we're terrible thinkers, you know, was, and we don't like surprises. So like the worst thing you can ever do is throw me a birthday surprise. I can't stand. <laughs> I need to know exactly what's going to happen. My ideal party <laughs> would be me sitting in a corner, not being stuck up in a VIP room, but just being over here, watching everyone else having a fabulous time. <laughs> do not drag me into it. Let me, you know, I just like to do that. And um, that never seems to work, you know. So, you know, so for me, Eckhart Tolle was the book where I, you know, because I used to laugh at people that said books changed their life. I'm like, ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> and then I read this book and then I read it again and I've read it and then I've got it, I've now got it on talking, you know, on the talking books. And it is so amazing because really I should have learned all of the lessons from that. And definitely it went some way to, to teaching me some stuff about my own behaviour. But as you know, as I say, it takes a long time to undo what you've learned about yourself. Of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favourite smell? Odd question. <laughs> oh, it's really going to be, you're going to think this is really weird. Maybe you won't. <laughs> what Cigarettes and alcohol on a man's breath. Oh, really? What does it remind you of? It's just, it's just, just sexy. Everything. It's like someone should do a candle like that. I don't know. That I think that, no, not on everyone, but some people just have this, some guys have this ability to somehow do that. You know, you know, kind of like a bit of a cigarette. I like the smell of cigarettes, even though I don't smoke anymore. I'm not one of these, you know, I like yeah, to smell yeah, it yeah. wafting past. I'm like, oh, I don't, do you remember? <laughs> Smoking is the most pointless thing, but there's just something about wasting that minute. Yeah. Anyway, so I like the smell of it. And then, you know, just a little hint of alcohol on a breath. I think, you know, you think, oh, things... Even good. though you don't drink either. No, but you think, okay, is that a drink? <laughs> it just adds a little, you know, a little fire to the moment, doesn't it? Like a little it hint of gin on the breath. <laughs> so on the back of that, what is your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure would have to always be bread. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bread. I know I say this all the time, but I have to say, and sourdough. Oh, yeah. I love delicious. a sourdough. In fact, one of the greatest things about the this year is that my friend early on in the lockdown was baking me sourdough loaves and bringing them over to me, and it was just nice. <laughs> yeah, bread is evil. Bread is, you know, bread is life. Bread is amazing. I mean, there's nothing better in the world than a piece of toast. I agree. I totally <laughs> agree, actually. So, <laughs> so you love bread, but how would you describe love? How would I describe love? Love is, well, love has a practical side, definitely. I think love isn't just about desire. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that we sometimes use l- the least important things about ourselves to lure people into our world. And then, of course, you know, you have to learn. I think, I, I think you have to, I think love takes a long time. Have you learned it yet? I think I have. Yeah, I think love is about being loving. Actually, love is simply about, you know, when you meet someone who responds to love, that is an incredible thing to experience. You know, when, you know, when someone's like, you know, you're kind to someone and they, 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 you know, that you see that they like appreciate your kindness. And and there isn't that kind of like our generation had terrible examples of what 
love was, you know. And uh, I just to... mine thought it was screaming and shouting and saying oh, whatever. Exactly. They I thought to somebody hit me over the head with a chair. They loved me, and of course, yeah, that is okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but also you can go back to ex-partners and say, do you know what? I was, you know, even even with someone like John, I said earlier in the year, you know what? When I read, I read the script. I was read the script for this possible movie that's being made. And I was like, I wasn't expecting to get a new perspective on what what things were like. And I suddenly, yeah. why I said to you earlier about writing a book, you go, wow, maybe I wasn't so easygoing. You know, maybe it was. <laughs> maybe it was my fault. You know, just, you know, I think at that point in my life, even up until recently, anyone trying to love me was on a road to hell, really. I mean, there was nothing they could have done. Because if you don't deem yourself lovable, it's impossible for anyone to really pick up on that. So of I think course it is. my confidence definitely is, I don't, I, I'm, I'm confident now in a way that I wasn't when I was 19, when I was 20, um, you know, and I think a lot of that is, you know, I take care of myself a bit more, I exercise more, I eat healthily, you know. Um, You're looking yeah, just, great at the moment, I've got to say. Thank you. A lot of that really, is, I've, really I've added hill walking into my regime because I've been walking loads, but I haven't really been doing it. I started doing hills and I suddenly thought this morning, <laughs> I look better. I've done this, I did this really big hill walk this morning. I was like, I was up at six. I'm just trying to, you know what? I've got a lot to do and I'm really excited about being creative. And I just feel like that just adds, you know, get, being outside, you know, getting some vitamin D. Clears, clears the head. Who or what is always guaranteed to make you laugh? One of my monster friends will always make me laugh. Like Marilyn makes me laugh. Philip, I've spoken to Philip for a while, but he doesn't make me laugh. In fact, Tony makes me laugh yeah. so much. I'm, I don't know if he's trying to make me laugh, but sometimes he says things to me and I'm like, oh, you're the only person in the world that could say something like that and make me laugh. You know, it's just, um, just amazing. You know, it's it's usually, it's usually like an aside, isn't it? You go, oh my God, I, felt, I can't believe that. I remember having a, I don't know if you'll kill me for saying this, but I remember having a dinner a few years back with Fat Tony and a few people. And apart from me, I don't think anyone at the table was able to get up without being sort of, you know, hung, strung and quartered. <laughs> it was like, and I was sitting there having this dinner and I got home and I rang him and I said, you're a monster. I said, what? <laughs> Literally every single person at that table got annihilated by you. Just, oh, you know, just like telling people about themselves. So I think that, you know, I do still laugh. I've still got that sort of wicked sense of humour and certainly... Even when someone insults me online, if it's funny, I will laugh. Yeah, take it. I've yeah. made friends with people that have insulted me. I had a two-hour conversation with Marilyn the other night, and I was like, we, we went over some things that had gone on, and it was quite funny to listen to his perspective on things. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't agree with everything he said, but I, it just felt nice to not have to resolve every single thing. Yeah, it's quite yeah. nice to go, all right, well, that's what you saw, and that's what you thought, and does it matter? Do, do we have to hold on to that? You know, because yeah. things, you know, things really are only about your your sort of willingness to, to fixate on them. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you want to fixate on something, it can just continue to be a problem. If you just go, I have to say, I've always been quite good at shrugging my shoulders. I'm a, I'm a really big forgiver. I feel like, you know, because I just don't think it does anything for my health to hate anyone. So exactly. even though there are people out there, there are a few people that really don't like me, NC Kinky, there's one. that's one i've got hundreds (laughs) yeah but you know the thing is it's much more time consuming for them than it is for me because i wish them nothing but love i really do not even with sarcasm i just you know what i you know i think about 
what I liked about the person, what I liked, particularly with someone like Karen, just her talent, you know, just yeah, like, yeah. brilliant. And what she did. And I just yeah. remember that. And I don't think about, you know, all the other stuff, all the lies that she spreads about me. <laughs> so that sounds um, like something that would make you cry. But when was the last time you cried and why? Can you remember? Oh, the last time I cried was uh, watching what's going on in India. I mean, I love India. So for yeah. me, I was watching the news the other day and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I cry a lot. I'm not ashamed to say that I cry a lot. I cry. Usually the news makes me cry, you know, especially mm-hmm. at the moment when you just watch things. And think, oh, my God. You know, it's so awful. It's pretty horrific, isn't you it? You know, what's going on in India, what's going on in Chile, you know, just what's going on in Uganda, what's going on in Ghana, all of that yeah. stuff, you know, just think. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the sort of downside in a way of, of so much news is 24-7. You know, we remember when the news was read by someone in corduroys, you know, <laughs> just the facts. Now the news is a branch of show business. And so yeah. everyone's got like beautiful teeth and they've got nice clothes and they're all a bit, they're all, everyone's, basically everyone, everyone's the news. Everyone, yeah. everyone on the internet, <laughs> everyone on Twitter. So uh-huh. what is the news? You know, so I think for me, crying is, you know, I think it's good for you to cry. Very good for you, I think. It releases yeah. that. It's like taking the top off a pressure bottle for me. What's strange is that some things that should make you really cry make just stone. I think, and then it hits you, you know, when you're least expecting it, you suddenly go, oh, my God, you know. I yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes you become desensitised to things if you're exposed to them too much. Like, you know, there's a COVID now, whenever it comes on the news in this country, I tend to... There's almost like a veil goes out in front of my eyes because I've seen it so often every day for a year. And like I've known people, you know, I've lost people. My next door neighbour died of it. But it's almost become like I've become desensitised to it. Yeah, I feel for me, because what I do involves people, you know, so it's a strange Mm -hmm. one, you know, and I've been doing a few things recently. I've obviously got these shows coming up, so I've been promoting those. And I've been out and with people and it's so strange to be out dressed up and you know there's other people yeah being you again (laughs) yeah I think that um I'm very mindful uh, of what's going on and you know I'm super careful you know I'm not sometimes you get people sneering at you if you're wearing a mask Mm. I'm like why do you care you know why do you actually care but then I've had 60 years of people going, stay at that. What's he wearing exactly. That so, I mean, you know, I like the mask because the mask is, I feel like Zorro. I don't get bothered. So I can walk <laughs> around. I've had a year of an anonymity. It's been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a year of nobody asking for a selfie. I mean, I'm ready for selfies. Okay, but even now, be careful. But I, I've really enjoyed the fact that I've been able to walk around and you know, just be completely free and just be another person. I mean, yeah, it must be like, it must be. I don't want it to last forever. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) What single thing would improve the quality of your life? Well, I think I try and work on those things like, you know, breathing. I do a lot of breath work. I do meditate. I do a bit of yoga. I think one of the best things I've learned to do in the last 10, 20 years is to do nothing in a spectacular fashion. (laughs) <laughs> I don't mean like sitting there scratching, you know, my nuts and <laughs> eating carbohydrates, but just proper relaxation. Just, you know, going out and sitting under a tree. And it sounds completely bonkers, you know, but just, you know, just taking time to not do anything. Yeah. And just to think, you know, and just to kind of go, you know, look at nature, look at 
I'm obsessed with trees. So I, I often go and look, sort of sit under a tree and talk to people. And I just, you know, as I say, I'm going to miss that when I go back to work. Oh. <laughs> but I think just making time for yourself to do nothing and cooking for yourself. You know, it's nice to cook, nice to prepare nice food and just, yeah, breathing, fasting. So the an- the answer like. really is like time, isn't it? That's the answer to the question. Yes, yes, time and learning to appreciate not having to fill it with something. I don't, you know, people say I'm a work, you know, say, oh, a workaholic. I'm like, you do work no, a lot. I don't think I am a workaholic because I don't. Think, I, I don't think of what I do as work. I just don't feel right. that it's not it's work. Just... Like you know, my dad had to, you know, be a builder. My mum had to, you know, work as a dinner lady and a cleaner. And so it's not work in that sense. I mean, it's work. It's 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 mental work. And of course, you know, there are those aspects where you have to, you know, sometimes be in situations that you'd rather not be in and have conversations that you'd rather not have. But I find most people are pretty nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised I don't get more abuse. <laughs> what, have I not, what have I done not to deserve it? <laughs> Who would you invite to your dream dinner party? Say three people. Three people? Well, there's no way that would work. Five you know, people. I'd have to have like, no, the, the least I could do is 12 because <laughs> I the names. But the problem with my, <laughs> a lot of them don't get on with each other. <laughs> and I love them all for different reasons, you know. But I just, you know, there are some people that oh, I won't put in with them. Oh no, and I, you know what? People have just people are so weird because you think like if you were being invited to the Queen's tea party, you'd behave, wouldn't you? You'd behave. Yeah, yourself. you would. And you, you would. just think your friends. I wouldn't go to someone's house and start a row. I wouldn't <laughs> come to your house if someone was out didn't like and start an argument. I would have done twenty years ago. No. <laughs> Years ago, I mean, I, I went out. I was at a dinner. Let me tell you a funny story. I was at a dinner party once with my friend Alan Robotkin, who I haven't seen for years, but there was a girl there sitting there, and we were having dinner, and we'd be there all night drinking and stuff. And then she tells me that she was one of John Motta's ex girlfriends. Oh, no. Brilliant. And I was like, well, I'm glad you waited till the wine was open before you dropped that bombshell. But it was amazing <laughs> to just go, I don't care. And did you not? At the time, I cared big time, but I, I <laughs> but knew nah. it was as well. And then I went, oh, that's who you are. Oh, well, nice to meet you. And it went, you know, I like to have dinner with, like, relaxed people, not people yeah. that are sort of, you know, uptight and unfriendly. So, you know, obviously I'd love to have dinner with, like, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Oh, he's no. lovely. Uh, probably the Dalai Lama and Philip Salon, because she's bound to say something controversial. <laughs> I remember this fabulous story about Philip Salon and his sister going to see some guru in the 70s. And of course, Philip was driving the guy mad. And I know we said we wouldn't swear you complete this. The man looked at Philip and he said, every word that comes out of your mouth is shite. <laughs> and Philip laughed his head off. It was a funny story. <laughs> Never heard. He just, you know, and I thought that is what you would say to someone like Philip if you were if you were a sort of shaman. Be like, yeah, yeah, it would be very awkward. Imagine if I was to invite you, Philip Marilyn. Salon, Marilyn. I mean, it would just be like, why is she here? And I'd be like, why is she here? you know, I think we've all got to work hard at being more dignified. This is definitely something. Definitely, we definitely. So, last question, and I think this is like really important one because it's something that. For me, you've been doing for 30 years is creating this thing. What would you like your legacy to be? I feel right now I'm creating my legacy. I call it future nostalgia. Uh-huh. I, what I have discovered through doing art is, 
you know, people say, well, you're not an artist, you know, you didn't go to art school, you're not so? an artist. And then you go, yeah, but I've sold some art. So yeah. <laughs> then you start like you have a show and you're successful and you go, yeah. then you start going, maybe I am an artist. <laughs> I still, you know, feel embarrassed when people ask me what I do. I mean, I, half the time I've got a job, but the other half the time I'm doing my art and I make a good living from my art now, you know, and I, I, that, I still know, feel embarrassed. My, advice, my advice to you is to be less judgmental on yourself, what you're doing. You know, if you don't believe in what you're doing, why would someone else? Exactly. There's yeah. always going to be someone that puts you down and says, oh, you're not this, and you're not that. And I've heard this for all my career. You're not a DJ. You're not this. Yeah, yeah. You can't make clothes. I'm like, well... For some, you're not a photographer. Well, but you've done pretty it. well out of it. Well, you know, it's not <laughs> that I've done, you know, I, I mean, I suppose in a way I look at music as the kind of very expensive hobby. You know, it costs me a lot of money to do what I do in, in terms mm-hmm. of great music. It's not done for free. I work with producers. I have to keep the studio open. I've got to pay, you know, singers and musicians. But, you know, I feel like I'm getting so much out of it. So I don't look at it in a kind of narrow way. I think, you know, I'm getting so much out of this experience and I'm creating something that will go on to be part of Forever. who I am. Yeah. So I think, you know, you've just always got to, you know, tr- trademark, you know, the artist trademark. You always yeah. say we are all intrinsically connected to what we create. And I love that, you know, just, um, you know, as an artist as well, you're going to, you'll, you know, give it five years time. You'll feel very differently. You probably won't be saying the things you're saying, you know, Unfortunately, when you make a record and you hear it on the radio, that gives it validation. You make a piece of art and it hangs on a wall. You go, oh, my God, I'm an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make a piece of clothing, you put a T-shirt, a label in it, you're a designer. Of course. So sometimes you're the person you have to convince. <laughs> Wise words. George, thank you so you know, much for that. I really it was, appreciate it. Was, it was great fun and I wish you a lot of fun with it. And, you know, don't give yourself such a hard time. <laughs> a bit of humming a bit of nasal I will humming. I will I will <laughs> oh one last question actually should we do a video for the boy who sat by the window well how do you know I'm not already doing something oh no <laughs> I may oh, call no, on, no. I may call on you at some point to um to be to sit I might sit you in a cafe and film you because I'm doing everything with my iPhone and I'm using these incredible apps so yeah it's something I've already talked of but I've already done a sort of mad uh I won't tell you what I've done okay okay <laughs> I'll mix me. it it'll be part graphic part real so I will I, you will be getting that call oh I may, want your, I may want your other half in it as well actually oh yeah he'll he'll do it was, you know um, well he introduced your last album didn't he amazing. So. I was so chuffed <laughs> he did, he did so, he literally when it came back I was like this is exactly what I wanted so listen and we'll speak again obviously and you know good luck with thanks this thanks a lot George this podcast was produced and edited by Jackie O'Malley Post-production is by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media Limited. Music by George O'Dowd and Luke Begley. Produced by Kevin Frost. Original artwork by David Hodge. Podcast artwork design by Lee Dyer. This has been David Hodge, the boy who sat by the window. The boy who sat by the window With
some of the story, but it's not over yet. 